Okay, hello and welcome to another week of my pleasure. I have been looking forward to recording this all week. I'm not kidding you and I'm so energized and ready to talk. So let's just dive right in. This is kind of the first deep dive into a topic and uh, the topic is authenticity. So I've been getting a lot of really great questions from you guys, and my favorite thing is when you guys ask something that is already a subject that I am bursting at the seams wanting to talk about. So let's talk about authenticity and basically like how to live your life more authentically. I definitely identify as someone who is an expert in this field and not because I've done like a ton of research or studying, but mostly because throughout the years I have realized that this is a skill that I have. And once I realized that, I then started to look within and look look within and without and figure out exactly what it is I'm doing that helps me live authentically so that I can connect with others on it. And I want to share with you guys this moment very, very early on in my career. I had probably been living in LA, gosh, I want to say a year and a half, definitely less than two years. And I had gotten my first big meeting with a manager. And this was a really big deal to me. It was, I don't even remember how I met the managers. I think maybe they came to a show of mine and they had called me in for a meeting in their office and it was a Beverly Hills, like Wilshire Boulevard, fancy high rise office, like something that today would make me gag with just like an ill cringe, I don't want to be a place like that. But 21, 22-year-old Esther, fresh to LA from the Midwest, I'm like, oh my God, a real building with a real office that I've been invited into? Like, this is unheard of. Is there free coffee? Like, oh my God. And it was a newer management company. In fact, like, I kind of think and absolutely no disrespect to these people. I kind of think they were like two rich LA kids who like were using an office space they had access to and were pretending to be managers. And I think they still are managers. I think they're great. But um that, you know, it wasn't exactly ideal. It wasn't the William Morris agency rolling out the red carpet. It was pretty janky. And... I'm sitting in this meeting. I'm sitting on a on a couch. (laughs) I'm sitting on a couch across from these two guys, and they say something to me that confuses me beyond belief. They say, "Esther, one thing about you is you really have a voice." Now, instantly, my brain. Let me let me explain to you what happened to my brain. I'm like, "Oh my god." How do they know I can sing? I I need to, am I going to, oh my God, am I going on American Idol? Like, am I a singer? Wait, I've never sang publicly. And in fact, I, my only relationship to singing is knowing that I can't do it. So what, 
what? So I just sat there quietly with all those thoughts running through my head like, oh my God, I have a voice. I have a voice. I can sing. I'm a singer. Until slowly I realized they're talking about my creative voice. Now, now as a 34 year old in 2022, I know what that means when you say someone has a voice, right? Like I think famously, uh, you know, when we all watched that show Girls on HBO and Lena Dunham's character was like, I want to be the voice of my generation. Like, that's what I think of now when I think of someone who has a voice. It's like they have a really authentic point of view and they share about their life experience from that place. And so I guess the first thing that I was noticed for in this line of work when I was doing stand-up comedy was that I had a voice and I didn't even know what that meant so that's how I knew okay at least excuse me at least this one part of this career at least I have one strength let me tell you I really needed it because if you guys don't know this about me I genuinely had no sense of how show business worked when I first moved here I remember I I thought and told myself, I'm going to move to LA and I'm going to be there for one year. And um, if I don't become Will Ferrell level movie star after a year, I'll just move home and work at Walgreens. And so that was my game plan. So you are really hearing this from someone who has learned a lot and has evolved a lot is basically, but I was dumb. Okay. We can blame, we really can't blame anyone. You can blame whatever the opposite of nepotism is because I think only if you have like famous parents, how else are you supposed to know? Anyway, okay. So let's talk about how I live authentically and my advice on how to do it. So one thing, um, also going back to the early days of right before I moved to LA, I was in college. I was a student at University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign, and I did not like it there, okay? And I remember in one of my like lowest, deepest fits of emotion, I had said to myself, I like learning. What is, I was so confused. I was like, I like to learn, but I don't want to learn things that I don't want to learn about. And I was like, I want to learn what I want to learn about. And so that was just another, I don't really know how this connects, but that was just this this urge inside of me to pursue what I wanted to pursue, to pursue what felt good to me. And okay, actually, I know why I brought that up. It's because That is sort of actually low-key accidentally a very good way to help yourself live authentically because when I'm in school and I'm just studying things I don't really give a shit about, like, that's whatever, you know, that's just not fulfilling. But the thing that does happen is you stumble upon something that you are interested in. And living authentically is all about following those little tiny instincts within you where you are naturally drawn to something or to someone or to a subject, a book, uh, anything, you know. And in fact, a recent example of this was 
my mom has just started to read novels and, you know, she had like a stack of novels she was going to read from, but she was reading ones just to read them just because she had them. And I said to her, you should read the books that you're actually drawn to. So instead of forcing yourself to get through like the ones that you're not that interested in, I say, throw that method away and just focus on what actually will feel good. This is actually probably really just genuinely good reading advice. It's like, think of a book that will get you so excited to read it and start there. Now, I want to um, go through this list I have here of other things that it mean, basically how it, how do I say that? How do I speak? You can't really tell people to live authentically if you can't really speak. But this is a list of uh, hmm, affirmations or just like, this is how to live authentically. <laughs> I can't think of words sometimes. So one of, one factor is not being concerned with what other people think about you. It's really easy to say. It's really hard to do. Now, I have an early memory from my life where my dad basically hit me over the head with this concept because he was so embarrassing when we went places. My dad was so embarrassed. Like, I know we've all had embarrassing parent moments, but like, if you know, if you've seen my stand-up special, if you used to watch my live streams, like, you know when I tell you my dad is embarrassing, like, it was really bad for a long time in terms of just, you know, asking for money off of things, just all the ways that parents embarrass you. So I remember we were at a, I think, honestly, we might have even been at a car wash and he was doing something that was embarrassing. I don't remember what. And I was freaking out, right? Like every kid does. I'm like, oh my God, you're so embarrassing. Stop, stop, stop. Like running, hiding, whatever. And my dad just looked at me and he goes, why are you embarrassed in front of the people at the car wash? And I was like, oh, that's an interesting point that really stuck with me. It's like, well, they're not better than me and I'm not better than them. Why do I have to be so embarrassed in front of them? They don't know me. They don't care about me. Like, even as I say this, I can still picture myself feeling embarrassed and like not able to, to like not be embarrassed, but it really does work. And the thing about this is that it is a muscle and it requires training. And I highly recommend that when you're in like a mundane situation, to just practice not being embarrassed. Now, that doesn't mean like go and act a fool and be stupid and rude. Definitely not. But just, just be aware that you should not be concerned with what other people are thinking about you. Now, <clears throat> another sort of bullet point on how to live your life authentically is to not be afraid of failure. So we don't live in failure. I mean, sorry. <laughs> We don't live in fear, we live in hope when we're living authentically because it's just too hard to authentically be yourself if you're afraid 
one, if you're concerned with what other people think of you, and two, if you're afraid of failing, like life is impossible. It's too, it's too boring. And you don't want to avoid trying things just because you think they might not go well. Like you have to really, I believe, embrace failing, embrace embarrassment, embrace messing up and sort of like, even though I know it can be really scary to live in hope because nobody wants to be disappointed. Nobody wants to try for something and not get it. Nobody wants to ask for a raise and not get it. Like it is really hard to do those things. I, I can sit here and talk about this so easily, you know, like it's just no big deal. But then when it comes down to it, it can be really hard to do those things. But I think even though they're hard, it's still important to not prevent yourself from doing them just because you're afraid. Because I will tell you, handling a rejection is a life skill. And the sooner you get better at it, the sooner you're going to be living authentically. So there's that. Another good tool in the world of living authentically is to take inventory from time to time. And this is something that I really do uh, the end of the year. It can be nice to do that like every quarter, you know, October 1st started a new quarter, I think. Yeah. So, you know, this is a Monday and this is, sorry, I ate a big salmon bowl before this. Um, Very unprofessional. But this is the first Monday of a new quarter. So this would also be a good example of a good week or night or whatever to just take inventory of like what you want, what you don't want, what's going well, what's not going well, really checking in with yourself um, is a good way to sort of get on that path of what you authentically do want in life. And then also another thing that is a skill that you get better at with practice is listening to your gut when it comes to important decisions. And this one I specifically remember in high school, I had almost no access to this skill. Like I remember I couldn't decide what major I was going to be in college. And I remember talking about it with my theater teacher. I was like, I can't decide theater or dance. And he was like, you know, maybe because we were going on this big theater trip to uh, the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in Scotland. So he was like, I remember him saying to me when I was 18, he was like, you might be struck with inspiration on this trip. You know, that's when people are able to make big decisions. Like you, you know, you go on vacation and you're like looking out at a waterfall, whatever, and then you're suddenly hit with inspiration. When he was saying that to me, I literally felt like he could have been speaking a different language. I was like, I, what? Like, I'm going to be looking out at a castle and know what my college major will be. Like, it just made no sense to me. And I still don't think a fancy or a school trip is the right way to make decisions. But I do think listening to your gut is kind of all that matters and you might better be able to do that in a new location or maybe even a familiar location or 
I kind of don't think it matters where you are. I think everyone is different. So, and then I think, you know, this one is, is more for where I'm at in life specifically right now. It really applies. And that is when you can to do things for passion rather than money. Now that is obviously a huge privilege. And although sometimes it's not, sometimes it's like, you know, for me starting out in my career, I only did things for passion because there was no money available. But like, you know, now I'm doing this indie film and that is like a thing I'm doing for passion. And I've noticed with myself that sometimes when I do stand up sets around LA and I'm, and I don't want to, but I'm forcing it because, you know, I'm going to make a little bit of money here and there. Like it literally sends me into a spiral. It is so hard to be creative, to be in the moment, to be authentic when you're doing something for money. But that is life. Like that is going to happen. And so that is something that we all have to balance. But I think the key is making sure that when you can, you're doing things for your passion. And even if you don't know what your passion is, I think it goes back to like, what are you naturally drawn to? Because doing things for your passion can literally be knitting. They can be reading. They can be cooking. It can be very, very simple. It can be journaling. You know, for me right now, a thing that I do in my free time for passion is I write essays. Um, because I want to get better at that skill. So I guess it's like, for pa- no, it's for passion. I'm not being paid. I'm not showing them to anyone. So I think, by the way, free writing in a journal is another really huge, uh, tool in the authenticity toolkit. One thing I try to do is tap into a flow state. And I do that sometimes when I go on stage, sometimes when I'm journaling, sometimes I'll use a substance to get into a flow state. I don't know if I recommend that. I I don't know how I feel about substances right now. Um, another thing is to surround myself with extremely like-minded people and make less and less time for people who are not that. I, I gotta tell you, I've never felt my, my more most extreme authentic self than when I'm with the right people. And I say this all the time, but it's not the people that make you want to be like them. It's the people who make you want to be more like yourself. And I really feel that way when I'm around my fashion friends. I feel that way when I'm around my friends Carlos and John, who I travel with for stand-up. I feel that way with Dave. I don't feel that way with everyone. And it's a fast pass. I'm telling you right now to find those people and make sure you see them the more that you, as much as you can, you know, once a week, whatever, that is a fast pass to living authentically. Because when you're around people who you can be yourself around them, like you're getting more practice at being yourself. And I'm telling you guys, I really learned this one the hard way because I have spent a decade around the wrong people. I really have. I have, 
I would say, you know, it probably took like COVID to, for me to fully like re- make this come to this realization, but I have spent so much time around the wrong people. Like I just really have like around people who I didn't feel like I could, I was free to be myself around because I would get made fun of or I would be judged or people would be jealous of me or, you know, any of the things like, and I definitely want to do a deep dive episode on female friendship coming up. So I think, you know, we can get more into that, but I I think surrounding yourself with extremely like-minded people is really important. And I know that's easier said than done. And I'm 34 years old and I have met just about everyone in this city. And it so it is not easy to find those people. But you you just keep meeting new people and eventually it, it will happen, I think. And I know the age-old advice, it's like be the friend that you want to be. So I guess that works. I don't know. I think also I'm really, oh my God, <sighs> for 13 years, f- longer, since before I moved to LA, I love making friends online. And I know people are always like, how do you make friends? And I always would think like, oh, there's like meetup groups and stuff like that, go to bars, I guess. But honestly, I make friends online. I really do. I've always done that. Um I, I highly recommend that. I know there's, I have a group of fans, Esther Squad, that like have met each other and have stayed lifelong friends and who I've stayed in touch with for, gosh, probably almost a decade at this point. And so I would actually say if you're looking to find like-minded people, online is like, we. <laughs> I'm like, do we already live in the metaverse? Because all I do is text FaceTime, journal on my iPad. Like we're already basically halfway in the metaverse. So you might as well just embrace it and meet friends online. Now I can't speak to online dating, although I do think there should be, eh, I was going to say online dating apps for meeting friends, but that just, there feels like it maybe adds like a weird air of like desperation to it, but who cares? Be desperate. Literally be desperate for friends. Who fucking cares? don't that's like exactly the whole point of everything i'm saying um another tool in the toolkit for authentic living authentically is i like to read self-help i not the most addicted reader person but i like to you know buy a couple self-help books here and there comb through them highlight stuff i think looking in that genre of books like it it can add to your, it can improve your life. And then the other thing I would say is learning about others is really helpful for finding out who you are authentically, like reading a good biography of someone you're interested in, because it's just so easy then to be like, oh, I'm exactly like Marilyn Monroe, because I do this like her, and I did that, and da 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 or I'm nothing like her, because I do this, and I don't do that. So, I really like learning about others. Even you could compare yourself to me. Here's ways that I am like Esther. Here's ways that I'm not. I think you can really do that with anyone. And it's a little bit of a cheat sheet as to how to figure out who you are, what what you like, what you don't like. 
Now, again, a lot of this stuff, it could either be seeming really basic to you or really advanced. I don't know. That's why I'm just kind of going with it and giving the, what I would want, the version that I would want to hear. Side note, Marilyn Monroe, you guys, I waited what felt like three years for that freaking movie, Blonde, on Netflix to come out. I waited so long. And when I tell you it was a disappointment, I know everyone on TikTok is talking about how bad it is, but like, I don't even care that there's horrible child abuse, like violent rape. I don't even care. I can handle that. But the fact that it's not real, I don't want to watch fiction about a real person. Give me the real Marilyn. And honestly, exactly for this reason. Like I, I like learning about real people because I like to see what I, how am I like them? How am I not like them? And in fact, like I actually never watched the show Mad Men because I always told Dave, like it's too many boys in it. Like I need shows with more girls. I'm now seeing I was wrong about that because there's some really great female characters, but. And by the way, I relate to male characters too, but I really need to see people on screen that I can compare myself to. I think that's probably like the most basic normal fact of how TV works. But anyways, I was really disappointed in that Netflix movie. I waited so long. I should rewatch my week with Marilyn to like cleanse my palate. Um, okay. Another. Uh, another tip is, I think I kind of already covered this one, but journaling and getting into a flow state. So journaling, writing in a free form, absolutely not judging what comes out of your head, just letting it go. That's a pretty basic one, yet, mind you, it's a basic one that everyone knows, but it's hard to do. So actually doing it is what's important. And I'm projecting because I have really procrastinated on a lot of this stuff. So, okay, then this one is really important and I have not mentioned this one yet. This is to give yourself a few core values. And I can tell you right now, for me, my core values in my career are, I basically ask myself, is it funny and or is it honest? And so those values I really return to often. You know, like if someone asks me to be a part of a project or something like, or I get an audition, I have to really know that it's something that I believe I'm going to be funny in or that it's coming from an honest place within me or else it's really not true to my core values and therefore... It's not going to take me to the place that I want to eventually land at, which is, I think, just dying an old lady. That's the landing spot we're all looking at. But, um, yeah, is it funny? Is it honest? And I think you can have core values for your normal life. I honestly am like, I don't even think I have those. I kind of think they're just the same thing. I'm like, is it funny? Is it honest? And... You know, am I, if someone invited me to an event, I'd probably be like, is this honestly true to who I am if I go to this? I know that seems really cheesy, but I do think these things help. And I'm, by the way, not trying to act like these are things I think about and 
put everything through all the time. No, these just come up occasionally. Occasionally when I, I'm struggling to make a decision, I'll go to those core values. And yeah, we already talked about not being concerned with what other people think, not being afraid of failure, taking inventory, listening to your gut when it comes to important decisions. And when you can, doing things for passion instead of money. I'll tell you, I have had some of the worst stand-up sets in my life when I was doing them for money. And you know all the best ones come from when I was just there because I wanted to be there. So let's get into some segments. And let's start with anti-sadness. Okay. So my anti-sadness this week is a week-long plan for myself. I've noticed that I've really slowed down my reading and I'm kind of mad at myself about that because when I read, I feel better. And so my anti-sadness is all I have to do is read 10 pages a day each week. And it doesn't have to even be the same book. I just think that when I read, when I put words into my brain that someone else wrote, it really helps me. It really makes me feel like a vending machine where when I put words in, I can then give words out. And so I don't really have anything to give if I'm not giving to myself. Oh wait, that's another thing I had to write down this week to my, like I make a note, made a note to myself that was, um, I should find it because it was, I was so dramatic when I wrote it and it was like, I was making, okay, here it is. I was making this big point to myself. I wrote it in all caps in my little journal. I can't be nice to others unless I'm nice to myself first. And I'm telling you guys, if I'm not nice to myself, you can expect the biggest bitch in the world. And so it is my responsibility to take care of myself and be nice to myself so that I don't go out in the world acting a bitch to my family. Or two, we'll just say my family. And let's move on to hot girl homework. So this week's hot girl homework is I'm prescribing you a five-minute Esther meditation. I'm going to explain to you what an Esther meditation is. I don't like meditating. It's too hard for me. But I have invented Esther meditations where they're so easy that they're no problem. So the whole thing with meditating is you're supposed to like not think about anything and you're supposed to have emptiness and, you know, just complete and utter peace. Okay. Well, no, I, there's no peace to be found in my brain. So that's not happening. So I've removed those expectations from an Esther meditation. And all I do, all I require of myself is a five-minute timer on my phone. And then I just sit and I can close my eyes. I don't have to close my eyes, but I just sit there and I don't look at a screen. And I actually think you probably should close your eyes, but if you want to open them a little, you can. But And then you just let your thoughts come up. Like, I don't care what you think. If I close my eyes right now and it's like, okay, yeah, I need to clean up what I made for dinner. I kind of want dessert. 
oh, wait, what am I going to have? Okay, but then what am I going to watch? Like all these thoughts will come up and that's okay. I'm actually not trying to prevent them from coming up. I want them to come up. I don't care. The whole point is like, let's just see what comes up because sometimes when I'm having my work day, I will get way too addicted to the screens, right? Whether it's social media, whether it's emails, texts, anything, it's too much stimulation. And so a five-minute closed eyes breather from that is all you need to really like cleanse your brain. So that's the hot girl homework and Esther meditation. Um, taste of the week. Ugh, it's such a good snack. It's so good. I can't believe it's been like years since I've been making this for myself, probably because whenever I rediscover it, I eat it more than once a day. And then I, I eat it until it's ruined forever. It is the best healthy snack. It's so good. And it's actually so appropriate for fall. So happy October. The taste of the week is a sliced Honeycrisp apple with peanut butter. And I go heavy. I go generous with the peanut butter. There's, we're not holding back. So, and I, Honeycrisp is my favorite kind of apple. I'm from the Midwest. We are very specific about our apples, but I think probably other ones are good. I don't know. Honeycrisp is so good. You really can't beat it, in my opinion. Now, my crush of the week is not really a person. It's a group of people. And it's anyone who is living anonymously online but isn't using their anonymity for hatred. So I want to kind of talk about this article that my friend sent to me. And it's in the Atlantic and it's called The Personal Brand is Dead. And it's by Caitlin Tiffany. And it talks about how Gen Z would rather be anonymous online. And it's sort of like got me thinking because basically what it's saying is like the last 10 years, everyone's just wanted to be famous on Instagram and influencer culture, blah, 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 whatever. Like, I don't really like those kinds of generalizations because I find them to oftentimes be very wrong because that's not true. Not everyone, not every millennial wanted to be famous online. Yes, a lot of them. And the reason I know that these generalizations are not true is because I have heard people say that millennials think Harry Potter is cool and like Harry Potter memes are funny. And bitch, I'm a millennial and I don't like that or think that. So that's how I know these generalizations tend to be wrong. But like everything, there's always a little truth there. So it talks about how Discord has really risen to popularity, which I think there is an Esther Discord. I, I'm trying to think of like how to tell, advise you to find it, but maybe one of the members will let me know and I can post it on the My Pleasure Instagram account. Um, but basically they talk about the era of Tumblr, which has been talked about a lot on TikTok and with young people lately. And I kind of remember this era and I actually, 
Tumblr was a place where people would post anonymously pretty much. And so it was kind of like the anti-Instagram because Instagram were all posting to get followers, to show off, brag, whatever. Tumblr was quite the opposite. It was like just to express yourself, post an outfit you like, post a picture of a cat, post a sexy meme, like whatever it is, people were just posting. And we're sort of seeing that part of the culture come back with like meme accounts being more famous. Um, and it got me thinking about some of the most fun I've had online has been completely anonymous because, and you know what? This is probably a thing that everyone knows and everyone is way ahead of me on, especially like if you're not in like this, an industry like what I'm in. But I think about, it's got me thinking about like how I want to use the internet more as a private space. And that doesn't mean that I'm not going to continue posting on TikTok, all the things. No, I'm still doing that. But like, I have to tell you the most fun I've ever had on, on the internet is like my private Reddit page, my private Reddit account. Like, where I join and comment and exist in all these forums, whether it was like beauty blog stuff or like literally stuff about like lush hand soap or like sales. Like I just got really into anonymous internet experience. And that's obviously what most people have and most people do. But I think with social media, it's easy to get really caught up in like, what am I posting? What am I saying? What do people think of me? What am I doing? And I don't think that that's the end all be all. And I'm glad to see the trend is sort of moving away from that. And people are more interested in being themselves online privately. Actually, wait, that's like they're being their authentic selves because they're doing it in private. Interesting. How does that relate to what we've been talking about? It like kind of does and kind of doesn't. Um, so yeah, I'm just excited for that movement. I'm excited to the overall change of internet trends, which all summer I've been, you know, hearing a lot of, a lot about it, but it's basically like being more authentic and not being like, someone that just shows the perfect life. I think we're all over that. I think that has not been good or healthy for people. And we're all learning that we just want to relate to people. We want, we want to see influencer or online personalities with normal jobs. I follow this girl who works at Whataburger. She is the funniest, most entertaining, most competent follow I've had online. And she just like posts live streams of her getting ready for work at Whataburger. And like that is a lot more of like the, the world that I want to be in because I'll be honest, the perfect, and I'm not going to name names, but like the perfect accounts, like the perfect pretty hot girl lifestyle stuff. Like I don't think that ever did me any good. I don't think it ever did me any good. I think it made me feel like I was a mess and I was never going to be perfect. 
but other people are perfect. And so it's really even especially bad that I'm not perfect because all these other people are perfect and it's easy for them. So that was not good, come to think of it. But you know what? I'm, I hope all you influencers made your money and you had a good time. Now, side note to argue against what I just said is like everyone should be allowed to present however they want to present online. And if that is creating a perfect little fantasy world, they're allowed to do that. And I'm allowed to do that. And I will do that. I will post weird photos that I think are cool that are evoking a fantasy world that I pretend that I live in. So I take back all the mean stuff I said, but I'm, I still said it and I'm not deleting it. Okay. So I wanted to look at some questions that you guys sent in. By the way, thank you. Your questions are always really, really great. And it shows me that, it shows me that you're listening and that you care. Um, so someone asked me advice for a 24 year old feeling lost and stunted living in your parents' house. I would say there is no reason to feel lost and stunted just because you live in your parents' house. I'm extremely pro staying in your parents' house if that is something that can work for you. Because bitch, have you seen the cost of living lately? It, it, the culture is shifting because it has no choice. Like, you, it's unthinkable. It's too expensive to live. So if living in your parents' house is even an option, I say do it while you figure out what is going on and why, why does that have to be a bad thing? Like, can't that be seen as extra time you're getting with your family like I think it's so sad to rush and move out and you know become an adult so fast like I kind of hate that I did that I don't love that I moved to LA when I was 21 but at the same time like I knew I had a specific plan and I needed to act on it but I had always said if my parents lived in LA I would be living with them or if I could have pursued the career I wanted to pursue in Chicago, I would have stayed there. Now, I think you could argue maybe that I could have, but to be honest, my parents are just really strict and annoying and it would have been too difficult. So if they are getting in your way, then maybe you need to like slowly make a plan as to how to, you know, get into a situation where you can be yourself more authentically. But, um, I, for many years, shared a studio apartment with other people. And so I definitely recommend like getting thrifty and savvy and in that kind of way if you want. But I don't think you need to feel lost or stunted just because you're in your parents' house. I think you have an opportunity to find yourself while you're able to save some money and plan your life and also maybe enjoy your life a little. I don't know. I certainly had nothing to enjoy at that age and was way too anxiety ridden to enjoy things. And I look back and I think it probably would have been a lot better if I had just enjoyed my life a little more. But at the same time, I, I really don't know. I just would say don't be discouraged by the fact that you're living in your parents' house. I think it's actually a really strange part of our culture that we're 
we move out. Like, I think that's fucking weird. I, I think that's so weird. I really do. I think it's like a waste of resources. I just think like living at home is so much better. Anyway. Okay. And then someone else asked, how do you keep yourself happy when you're alone? You guys. How do you keep yourself happy when you're not alone? Like, oh my God, I love being alone so much. Uh, I love it. I love it. I love to have quiet time and be able to do things and not be seen. Oh my gosh, I was just talking about this with my friends. Like, just ha- just knowing that no one can see what you're doing is so powerful. I can be sitting there reading. I can be organizing the kitchen. I can be journaling, watching TikTok, listening to a podcast. I just don't want people... I just love knowing there's no eyes on me. Dave can't hear. When he's not here, I go buck wild crazy. And it's so much more fun. I'm definitely a person that like really really likes alone time and I think back to this oh my god okay in junior high I think I was like faking a crisis or something because this guy liked to dumped me and I just wanted to be really as dramatic as possible about it and so I started going to the guidance counselor which like no one did like you had to be so fucked up to go to the guidance counselor. That was not in the culture at the moment. And so I, it was like a dramatic move. And we talked through this breakup and she was like, what's the big deal? And I was like, oh, I'm alone now. Like, you know, and, and she said like, why can't you go across the street and go to the mall and go to the food court after school and have a meal and be by yourself? And I was like, well, that's embarrassing. And she was like, why? People don't know what you're doing. They could think that you're in town shooting a movie and you're just having your lunch break to yourself. And I was like, oh my God, it's so true. And that, that really, I I feel like that's really on brand with the whole episode today, but like that really also changed me and made me feel like, oh my God, who cares? And ever since then, I've really lived a life of someone that goes and does things alone, seeing movies alone. Going to a meal at a restaurant alone is the most fun. That used to be the way that I treated myself. When I was in my 20s, if I like accomplished something good, I would take myself to the Swingers Diner on Beverly Boulevard and I would get a burger, fries, and a milkshake, my treat myself meal. And I would do it by myself. Fuck no, did I? And no, I don't want anyone else there. Like, I think alone time is so key. And I think just shifting your perspective on it is really the way to change it. And just thinking about all that you can do, all that you can accomplish, that you can listen to, watch, read, organize. There's just so much you can do alone and it's really endless. And I know you're not always in the mood, you know, I, that, all that to say, like, it doesn't mean that I don't still have times where I'm like, I'm so bored and no one likes, like, it's all up and down, but I definitely live a lot more in the happy to be alone place. So you guys, thank you so much for listening. I'm sorry that this podcast is like just so weird and it's like 
suddenly I'm like a self-help guru. It's like kind of cringy, but at the same time, like, hey, I'm going to talk for an hour every week. I might as well make myself useful. And as you guys know, I am doing stand-up comedy on the road. You can get tickets at estheronice.com and you can see me in Portland, Seattle, and San Francisco this December, estheronice.com for tickets and sleepoverbyester.com. I have this really cute, stretchy, black workout set that's available. It's not really for working out. I don't know why I called it that. It's definitely not for that. And I'll be dropping more stuff soon. And lastly, if you text me 847-648-9098, you'll be signed up for my text alerts for when there's new drops, when I add new cities to my tour, all that stuff. And most, most, most importantly, if you listen to the show and you like it, subscribe. And you guys... I'll see you next week. I can't wait.